right, all right. Welcome to Living in the Past, the show where two middle-aged dudes in the midst of their midlife crisis. Whoa, whoa. Sorry, crises. Whoa, thank you. back on the films, TV, and music that formed us. Hey, Devin, we're recovering RoboCop. Would you buy that for a dollar? Ooh, Jeremy, are we talking uh, 1980s dollar or are we adding inflation <laughs> to that for 2020? Uh, we are uh, going 1987 RoboCop. Well, you know, um, and I'm going to shock some of our perhaps younger listeners, but I distinctly remember when gas was 79 cents a gallon. So I'll throw a dollar in here. I'll buy that for a dollar, Jeremy. You know, when you said 79 cents, I was like something in my memory, something. And I, when I was, I was probably 20, 21, I was doing some work in Atlanta. I lived in Alabama at the time and I had no money. I had about uh, maybe in cash, about 15 bucks. Wow. I'm in Atlanta and I'll never forget. I go to get gas and I saw 79 cents and I had 10 bucks and I was able to drive from Atlanta back home to Tuscaloosa, Alabama on $10 of gas. Wow. Those were the days. <laughs> yeah. You might not even make it a block by today's <laughs> gas prices. Yeah, I get down the street. That's about it. Oh my gosh, too much. I'm excited about this. Listen, when you when you first said RoboCop, I'm going to I'm going to be honest, Jeremy, I, I, I do have some PTSD moments with this film, and I know we'll get into that, but yeah. uh, it's an interesting pick. It's an interesting pick. I don't know, and, and I would love to hear from our listeners, but I, I don't know if I would have personally picked this as one of the, the 80s uh, films to to look back on. So good choice. Well, thanks. And it, it's something that I I obviously saw the film in the theater back in the yeah, 80s, but right. I didn't I didn't really, it wasn't... It wasn't like Red Dawn that we talked about a month ago, yeah, uh, yeah. where I was watching it weekly with my friends. Yeah. <laughs> I watched RoboCop in the theater with my dad. It was a wonderful experience, super violent. It was probably mm. the most violent film I had seen, definitely in the theater at that point. Whoa. Um, so I, I saw this film, loved it. I did check it out on video later, but it wasn't on like the rotation like films. Yeah. like Even The Running Man, I saw more than I saw RoboCop. So when I went back and, and decided to land on this, there's cer certain reasons that I said, let's do this film. Let's look mm. at this. And some are just what we're dealing with in our own world today. Yeah. But I wanted to pick something I wasn't as familiar with. And and I'm curious, I from what I've gathered based on just our conversations and when we did the commentary uh, for our patrons, I don't think you've seen it that many times either. What, what's your experience with RoboCop? When, when did you first see it? And, and when did you have you revisited since that initial time? So uh, I have not revisited since the initial show, although I guess probably at one point between its release and present day, I'm sure it was on like TBS yeah. at three o'clock in the morning and I probably <laughs> watched it for a few minutes. Yeah. I, other than that, though, I, I, I like my first viewing of it was at home on VHS yeah. with my old man. Yeah. And and I don't know, I you know, sometimes where when you take films that you think are going to have like maybe some seriousness about them and and then they just kind of go over the top with yes. whether it's acting or whatever else and i just distinctly having this this like teenage experience of of just feeling my father's hatred towards this movie and me making him watch it with me <laughs> just just absolutely doing the eye roll and so like the initial experience is obviously super vivid and memorable um, but I wouldn't I wouldn't put it up there with some of my other uh, father son movie viewing moments, such as like Raiders of the Lost Ark and, and stuff like that. 
Yeah, and what's interesting about RoboCop is revisiting it this time. Yeah, it's I'll give you that. It's aged well. Like it, yeah, it's it, it honestly has. And so, for those of you that might not be as familiar with RoboCop as someone that's watching it regularly, just a reminder: it's an '87 sort of a cyberpunk superhero film uh, mm. set in the near future. They they dated at one point as the the horrible year of I think it's like 1991 or something like that so they it comes out in 87 it's set in 1991 it's directed by Paul Verhoeven mm. who might have wow. made one of the greatest worst movies ever in showgirls but he also made <laughs> basic instinct he also wait a made it wait a minute wait what? <laughs> greatest worst movies Devin. uh showgirls basic instinct starship troopers this guy is a piece of work. And, and this film's written by Eric Newmeyer and Michael Miner. And, and so there's some neat and odd things in RoboCop. Uh, I, are you, were you familiar? I mean, we better be careful here, yeah. especially yeah. if our family is listening to this. But <laughs> Devin, have you seen Verhoeven's other films? I, I have. In fact, um, <laughs> I, I, I really enjoyed Starship Troopers. And I'll, yeah. I'll, I'd love to watch that again. Actually, I should put it back in my queue yeah total recall obviously i've seen yeah. which which i thought was a fun ride we talked about arnold schwarzenegger and we talked about the running man i will confess dear listener that i have seen showgirls um <laughs> but but here's the thing i i'm gonna save i've got a story that coincides with basic instinct and i'm gonna save that oh. for another episode Jeremy. oh okay I'm there's very... a little teaser for our listeners oh i i'm i'm, I'm... Maybe I shouldn't say I'm excited. I'm 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 interested. <laughs> I'm interested, Devin. <laughs> what about you? What are some of the other films that he's done that you've really enjoyed? Yeah, I've seen everything a lot of times. So I've seen <laughs> Total Recall. I've I seen... just picked coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen. Uh, I have seen Showgirls. Actually, the first time I saw Showgirls, I was at the University of Alabama, and they showed. Of course you were. Wait, they showed it in their Legend theater. The fraternity. What? They showed it in the theater in their student center, in the Ferguson Student Center. They showed it. <laughs> and uh, of course I had to go at midnight to go see it. And that was the first time. And it was it was actually a lot of fun with a big audience. The laughter was just everywhere. I mean, it was howling with laughter. And yes. so fun experience. Obviously saw Basic Instinct uh, when I was I think I was 19 when I saw it. So I just graduated high school, saw that. I Verhoeven is is very interesting and we're going to get into who he is in just a second. But I've always found his films either like horribly interesting. Like I'm horrified mm. at what I'm seeing, but I'm interested. Yes. Um captivating. I'm yeah, it's captivating, it's laughable, but never I have never ever ever been bored in one of his mm. movies. I'm mm. I'm He's doing something that's interesting to me, or he's doing something that I'm, I'm so shocked at what I'm seeing. <laughs> and RoboCop is one of those. And when he made it, it's actually his first American film. Mm -hmm. And he had he had done several films before that. Some were pretty heavily acclaimed films. Yeah. So he made a movie called Soldier of Orange. He made Spetters. He made The Fourth Man. Uh, mm. He made a movie. He was involved in a movie, made a movie called Turkish Delight, got nominated for... Uh, best foreign language film. So he was sort of known, but he was wanting to really break into American cinema. A lot mm. of that had to do with just budgetary issues where he was making movies in Europe. They just didn't have the money that, you know, Hollywood had. So right, when right. he got the opportunity to do RoboCop, 
this sort of, you know, it's this odd pick. It's a cyberpunk superhero film, basically. He actually read the script and was like, eh. And then, of course, his better half, his wife, read it and said, <laughs> uh, you might want to read this again because there's a little bit more going on than you thought initially. And so, I love this. I love this. And so he went and he and he like read it again. He was like, oh, there are layers here and layers that I can actually play with and improve upon and and, and screw around with. And he was in. It, it was his doorway into Hollywood. Mm. It was his doorway into a film that, that on first look he didn't think was interesting. But on a second look, because of his wife, he was like, oh, yeah, there's a lot going on here. And. You know, speaking of what's going on there, there's so many themes in RoboCop. Like, yeah. you got, goodness, obviously just him being uh, Murphy, the main character, being cybernetic. Right. You have these ideas of transhumanism. Obviously, media influence is all over the film. Mm -hmm. uh, gentrification, corruption. I mean, you name it. There are themes in there for you today so not when we were kids or yeah. you know, teenagers but for you today is there a theme that sort of like moves to the forefront because i think as time passes themes change a little bit of what we're interested in for you right now what theme kind of moves the needle for you well I, I, let, listen i, I want to get into that in just a second but i have yeah. to go back just a little bit first jeremy because yeah. I'm, I'm fascinated. I didn't know the backstory about Verhoeven's wife and saying, like, <laughs> yeah. oh, no, you need to do this. And yeah. believe me, which married man listening to this right now has not had that happen. <laughs> um, but where was she when, like, Showgirls was being read and getting ready to be produced and greenlit and all that stuff? <laughs> Maybe the divorce had already happened at that point. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that was the great cause of the divorce. <laughs> yes. You can take Elizabeth Berkeley. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. So I digress. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I obviously see this film much, much differently as a middle-aged dude um, decades after its theatrical release. Yeah. I think if not for re-watching it for the sake of this podcast, I, I probably would still have it filed away as just kind of a, an 80s largely forgotten movie yeah. for my own self. But going through this and really looking at some of those layers like Verhoeven's wife pointed out and, and really kind of saying, oh my gosh, this is, this is so parallel to so many of the things that we're experiencing in the here and now. Yeah, I, I really kind of have a fondness for the film that I, I didn't have before kind of this deep dive that we're going through now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think for, you know, as I rewatched it and, and, one of the screenwriters, Newmeyer, Edward Newmeyer, he he said in an interview, this was probably around 2013, he was reflecting on the script that he wrote mm -hmm. and how today it's sort of playing into this reality. And he, he even said in this interview, he said, we are now living in the world that I was proposing in RoboCop, wow. how big corporations will take mm. care of us mm. and how they won't. And I think for me... That is one of the themes that sort of jumps out to me in RoboCop. It's it's sort of the the media influence plus the role of corporations in our world mm. today. Of course, you know, when we w watch RoboCop, the corporations are a certain type. They're involved with the military and security, and those do exist. But I, my mind immediately goes to the Googles, the Facebooks, the big tech corporations, and how they're very involved in taking taking care of us right so yeah for sure i find that incredibly interesting and that's what moves the needle for me when i think of robocop 
No, I'm, I'm right there with you. And of course, I, I'm living kind of in this bedroom community of Silicon Valley. Jeremy, you were here for a number yeah. of years. So, you know, especially geographically in this region, I mean, that's very much part of the DNA of this local kind of microcosm that is Santa Cruz County and Santa Clara County in these areas around here. And, and I totally confess that I think that my mind first races to Google and to Facebook and, yeah. and to all the other apps that track us and monitor us and, and so many other things. You know, though, I think for me, though, what I really love about this as being a, a history nerd is, wow, th this goes so hand in hand with with Eisenhower coming at the end of his presidency, kind of leaving the American people with this idea of like, be careful of this thing called the industrial military complex, yeah. because it has the opportunity to spin out of control. And I really think like, oh my goodness, like, w was Eisenhower a prophet of sorts? Because yeah. I think this is what we're seeing now. And we could just go back to this past summer of 2020 and the election cycle and this defund the police movement and police shouldn't have these ATV um, armored vehicles and yeah. all this riot gear. And so I think that there are so many direct connections to our present day that it's really kind of awesome and scary at the same time. Yeah. And Robocop's poking fun at all that stuff. And mm -hmm, yet, mm -hmm. you know, we're seeing some of it really play out. You know, I live, yeah, yeah I lived near you know near you and near that silicon valley area now i live in the northern alabama area where huntsville is nasa's obviously here but the industrial military complex is here as well mm. and you have you know everything from boeing but all of these companies are here you know in security in military in weaponry in i mean there's a a person that i just met the other day and he literally builds missiles like that's wow. his job. Like he, wow. he's an engineer that builds missiles. And I, I was just, Oh, good to meet you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> fascinating. Uh, yes. One of my neighbors, he literally works on the rockets to launch people into space. And so wow. just the power of that industry, the power of those corporations, Robocop's poking fun at it, but by poking fun at it, it helps us to see, I think right. a little right. more clearly. And my goodness, for a film that came out in 1987, yeah. That's awesome that it's it's doing that to us today in 2020. Yes, totally, totally agree with that. And I think that that's, I would encourage our listeners that, listen, if you're someone that kind of filed it away as as 80s, just kind of pop popcorn fair type movie, um, revisit it and <laughs> maybe yep. make sure you've got a, a <laughs> bottle of wine handy as you do it, because some of the parts like it's, it's almost a little too real when you connect it to what's going on today. Yeah, it's funny how... RoboCop has this, it blurs the line between just over the top. So it's violently over the top. Yeah. It's satirical at points. It's just constantly poking fun, but, but it really like calls attention to what our reality is today. So let's, let's recap the film a little bit and, yeah. and walk through it because there's a lot of, a lot here and, and a lot of it is, is a, is fun to wade your, your way through. So the film starts off in 91 Detroit, Michigan basically mirroring what we're, we've been seeing for the last 30 plus years. It's mm. on the verge of bankruptcy. It's overrun with crime. And as the film begins, the city council of Detroit has basically made an agreement with this multinational corporation called 
OCP, Omni Consumer Products. Mm. And this agreement that they've made is basically to fund and run the police force because of this crime that's gotten out of out of hand. And so, you know, it, it's the the plan that OCP has is yes, we will do all this, but we have this this wonderful goal of tearing down, they call it the old city, but basically destroying Detroit to build Delta City, where two mm. million people will be employed, right? So, but they have to get rid of the crime first. That's sort right, of the, right. the crux of the film. And the senior president, um, Richard Dick Jones, has developed this huge robot called the Ed 209. And Ed's going to clean up the streets. Right. And that's how the film really begins. It begins with this news footage showing kind of what's going on in the world. It's it's kind of spoofing our network news, but it gives us great context of what's going yeah. on in the world. Yeah. And then we're introduced to Dick Jones's robot, Ed 209. Ed 209 kills one of their board members of OCP. Oops. Several times over, as a matter of fact. Yes. And <laughs> and basically, it's at that moment where we're, we have the setup. We have what's yeah. going on. We have big, bad police robot killed a person in the boardroom because it malfunctioned. Right. And here we go. Did you Damn. like the setup of the film? How it Ooh. kind of introduced everything to us? I mean, I, I okay, so I'm going to try to kind of break this into two separate parts. Like, yeah. yes, as a movie buff as someone who enjoys um the entertainment value of films it was great it, it plays in line with so many other films of the 80s that kind of start like this right yeah yeah uh, on the other side on the more serious side of the spectrum though just looking at the background of the city of detroit and knowing like the real life detroit yeah and we've already kind of talked about the gentrification and all this and, and i think that you know, here's one of the themes that, you know, we find, and, and apologies to our listeners and to you, Jeremy, because I'm about to cross over very briefly in, <laughs> into Star Wars, which is, of course, another podcast that we work on. But, yeah. you know, one of the themes that's throughout that film, as well as RoboCop, or or that saga versus RoboCop, in addition to RoboCop, is the fact that there's this idea that the quote-unquote villains, the quote-unquote bad guys, hey, if you just let us do what we need to do we'll have order yeah we'll have we'll have this utopian life where there there isn't crime if you just kind of let us go in here and pillage everything and control it and i think that that is such an interesting way to look at stuff especially Absolutely. in this movie it, it, it's true right if this corporation is able to unleash their armed robocop officers throughout the streets definitely there's going to be law and order and then, of course, at what cost, yeah. right? Yeah. At the sacrifice of freedoms and liberties and everything else. And let me just add this, and then I'll toss it back to you. But I think that that's one of the other things. In fact, for our patrons, when you and I were actually doing a watch party for this, and, and that episode is available for patrons, we actually talked about some of this in, in greater depth as far as, you know, that boardroom scene. Yeah. That we have this police mechanized armed um, robot and very much in tune with what we're seeing in the streets today of this it didn't have a ramping up right it gave right. the person a warning to stand down and then <laughs> it went from the warning of standing down to to killing the person and yeah. you know i don't want to get political here but again i think that that is 
the the scale and escalation of use of deadly force and stuff is an important theme in this movie that could so easily get overlooked with all the other great themes. Yeah, and they, and and it's amazing in that opening scene that that first kill, I guess, yeah. is they went for it. I mean, they put right. so much fake blood on the actor yes. to like to explode to make it, yeah. it it was just gnarly and that's the first moment where you're like, "Wait, oh, that was really violent, but that was kind of over the top. How do I feel about this? Right. Like, you really don't know how to feel. And right, right after that, we're introduced to the main character, police officer Alex Murphy, who will become RoboCop. He's been transferred from, like, sub the suburbs of Detroit to old Detroit, where all, most of this takes place. Mm-hmm. And he's paired with a female police officer, and her name is Ann Lewis. And so right away, you already – you get the sense that morale is low on the force uh, because maybe because of OCP's, you know, their involvement in everything. So you you get that sense. There's incredible violence that has brought morale down where officers are being killed. In fact, there's a scene where they take the name off of one of the, the police officers lockers who had died. And you get this setup, right, where, Mm. you know, Murphy comes in, he sees this kind of world that he is stepping into that's down on on their luck in a way. But he's anxious to start his new assignment and he wants to, you know, he wants to impress his son. There's a moment where he's spinning his pistol around like great police officers do. And, you know, (laughs) and it's because his son watches a TV show where the main actor spins the gun around. And there's that little moment, that seed planted and we kind of identify with Murphy a little bit that, oh, he's a family guy. He has a son that he wants to impress. And we're kind of thrown right in it. And I would say it's kind of brilliant. I wouldn't say it is brilliant. It's sort of brilliant mm. the way they set this up because I didn't fully identify with Murphy, but Murphy right. and his partner, Lewis, they go on uh, you know patrol together. They run into some bank robbers led by... Clarence Boddicker, who is red on that 70s show. And uh, he was also the dad in Dead Poet Society of Neil. Uh, so we, we've seen this character around this crime boss. They've robbed a bank. Murphy and Lewis, they track them down to an old mill without backup, Devin. They just go in against a, a big crime it. syndicate. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, that's when we get it. Murphy gets shot to pieces, literally. And he's laying there dead. And Verhoeven, he's known for these crucifixion resurrection themes. You see it in a mm. lot of his stuff. He Show even girls. said about <laughs> Yes. <laughs> we even <laughs> it is, it's there. But we he even said, like, how can we resurrect Murphy as the all powerful Robocop if we don't crucify him first? And wow. the violence is so intense. Verhoeven would argue it's so over the top that surely we can't get a a, a rated X on this film, but they did, and they had to keep editing it down. It's a pretty intense opening scene. What did you think about that opening attack sequence on on Murphy? You know, it's fascinating because we don't see that in other films of this genre during this time period, really. I mean, and of course I'm taking like all the slasher films away, right? We're putting yeah. those in the kind of their own little subgenre. But, you know, we see plenty of war movies and violent movies during this time period in cinema. But yeah. this is, it is like so graphic. I mean, literally yeah. like limbs yeah. <laughs> being shot off. Yeah. Um, 
I'll go back to what you said a little earlier, Jeremy. Yeah. And it's this kind of like this, this weird fascination of like, I can't believe what I'm watching. And yet I'm watching it because I'm so fascinated by it. And yeah. so it's really this warped perspective on, on how we're trying to feel. And I, I think here's one thing, and you touched on this as well. I, I'd be curious if this kind of theme that this woven throughout this crucifixion resurrection theme actually could be more impactful if we had a little bit more insight into Murphy's background as father and husband, because we get yeah. some flashbacks later, which, which is great. It adds to that, but I'm more curious if, if we were able to kind of, and maybe it was just a matter of runtime, but if we were able to kind of fall in love a little bit more with this character, when we yeah. see this go down, but obviously Verhoeven's not really interested in making his point that way. So to go back to your question, Jeremy, uh, it's an overwhelming scene and uh, it's it's wholly disturbing on yeah. so many levels. It really is. In, in fact, Verhoeven said when asked about the development of Murphy, he said that the violence done to him because it was so over the top graphic, whatever you want to label it, because of those things, people would empathize with him. Mm. Uh you know, basically watching it going, damn, I can't believe that happened to that guy. Right, I hope he, right. I hope he lives somehow, right. you know, which which is just a, the absurdity of it. But he was trying that violence he was using as a tool to make the audience empathize. And I found that interesting. I don't necessarily buy it, but I'm like, OK, mm. I can kind of see what he was trying to do. So we go from that sequence to what I thought. I don't know about you, Devin, but I, I loved the the process of him becoming RoboCop mm. and how Verhoeven and company, the director of photography, how they filmed it. it it's yeah. a lot of first person perspective. You didn't see that a lot in film, but first person perspective as he's as Murphy's sort of looking around, going in and out of consciousness, uh, you know, hanging on basically by a thread and they create RoboCop. Did you mm. did you like that the scenes of RoboCop being made? Did that resonate with you or did you find that interesting just visually? Well, I, I think, you know, one of the things that the director uses and the director of photography uses is yeah. certainly, you know, more of a handheld. We really get the feeling of that we're, we're there with them, right? We're, we're no longer passively watching things going on, but we're really there. We're taking part. It has a lot of great shots when it comes to kind of the, the point of view of both the medical folks as well as Weller's character, Murphy. And so I think that's one of the things, and I and I think, refresh me, but I think that that's one of the things that we talked about in uh, the Patreon version of this, about how that actually was uh, kind of used a, a little bit later with Michael Crichton's filming yeah. of the uh, the NBC hit, ER. Yeah. Just yeah. that quick pace, quick camera shots were always kind of moving. And then um, ER upped it a little bit with the use of, of more hyper and intense music. But overall, I, I dug how this was done. I thought especially as we're seeing things through Murphy's eyes, I thought that was really well done and helped kind of bridge yeah. the category of, of helping us to better identify with that character. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's interesting, you go from this transformation. I think when we were watching it uh, as doing this commentary track for, for Patreon, we were counting like I think it was six 
four to six seconds a shot. It was just mm, boom, boom, right, boom, 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 right, and it right. just visually engages you. It reminds me of uh, just going back to Star Wars, the Tie Fighter attack on the Millennium Falcon in A New Hope, mm. where they're trying to escape the Death Star, go back to Yavin Four, super nerdy moment, and the Tie Fighters <laughs> attack, and Lucas was just cut, 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 cut. And, you know, you see that here and it really engages you. And we go from that, from just this him becoming RoboCop, this cybernetic, Mm. almost indestructible. Really, the only thing that's left of him is his face and neck. Or or his lips. But yeah. Yes. Or his lips. (laughs) And, and, And we go from that to really quickly. He's cop. He's out on patrol. He's going right. around. We have several sequences where, you know, he stops a liquor store robbery, which is funny. I actually, when you said TBS earlier, I, for some reason, it jogged a memory of me watching this in my apartment in college and the dubbing for it. One of my favorite things was to watch rated our movies on like USA Network or TBS and later <laughs> TNT and just see how they dubbed it. Like the yippee Kaye mother from Die Hard is Yippie Kai Mr. Falcon, which is incredible. And then you get you get RoboCop where he's uh he stops the guy in the liquor store or the convenience store, and the guy's just saying, you know, like, you know, F me, F me. You know, he keeps saying that over and over as Robocop comes in. The dub version, Devin, is why me? Why me? <laughs> <laughs> oh man so did you like wow. the scenes of robocop on the prowl and stopping crime did you enjoy that stuff yeah totally like who didn't want to see that and i think that you know some of these scenes albeit uh had their levels of cheesiness yeah totally but i think you know one we get to see robocop in a situation where yeah. he is quite earnestly trying to not go that zero to 100 reaction as we see yeah. from the the tech at the beginning of the film i think the other thing here right is that it's an interesting theme when we start talking about ai artificial intelligence and and i'm going to go back to like where we're at now in the great timeline of history where this type of tech like boston dynamics i think is the company like go 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 search boston dynamics robot dog and just feel sorry for humanity (laughs) Because the, this stuff the end is, is coming. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're like we're on the precipice of this in in real life, um, and and I think that that was interesting to get that perspective of he he's he's quote unquote he's back on patrol. Yeah, and but he's he's supersized, if, yeah. if you will, yeah. right? Yeah, and, and and he's got this ability to be in these situations where he probably would face a little differently if it were Murphy pre um fusion with with the the robocop part of them yeah yeah absolutely and it's interesting at this point in the movie we start to see a tension between two characters and earlier Mm -hmm. we talked about dick jones who was the senior president he wasn't the overall head of ocp but he's a senior president he is the one that was pushing ed 209 there's a much younger rival to him and and he is the his name the character's name in robocop is bob morton and Bob Morton basically is the one that's pushing RoboCop is saying, look, I have this plan. I have this cyborg police officer, you know, concept 
called RoboCop. And these two men are sort of battling within OCP to get their product out there and get it sold. So we go from Murphy, RoboCop, out there patrolling to this inner, inner kind of the inner circle of the OCP and the battles going on in there. So you have this rivalry between Dick Jones and Morton, and we go from RoboCop on the prowl, on patrol, stopping crime, to this yeah. confrontation in a bathroom of all places between yes. <laughs> Dick Jones <laughs> and, and Morton. He confronts him, and he's basically like, look, my Ed 209, your, your cyborg's great and all, but my Ed 209, I had military contracts lined up. Again, mm. Devin, back to that military industrial complex yeah. concept that Eisenhower put out there in the 50s. You know, he he says I have all these contracts. I have everything lined up and you screwed me on this. And yeah. you better watch your back. And yeah. I like I don't know what it is about bathrooms and mm. th and confrontations, but they are like the best and the most terrible places to have confrontations yes but i loved this scene did you did you like the scene in the bathroom i just thought the setup and the whole thing was just wonderful yeah so i'm so nervous to answer the question <laughs> did you like the scene in the bathroom then have you like do some post-production magic and use that as a ringtone but i promise i won't yeah um so here's what i love about this 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 in a lot of ways right we have um what i think a lot of people can identify with right yeah. we're having like what we think are like off the book conversations uh, about other people, yeah, yeah, <laughs> in in the bathroom. Um, I I I liked it because we really start to see kind of the heart, not only of this character, but the heart and and theme of this film, and, and what it's truly all about. Yeah, and and so from that perspective, it, it's very much a great unveiling of sorts. And I think that right as we should we start to really know why we want to hate this guy yes yeah uh, and, and i love you know peter weller's obviously the star is alex murphy and nancy allen great job as ann lewis is his partner but i thought just the this trifecta so you have bodeker who's the criminal that shoots up murphy who's played right. by kurtwood smith he was on that 70s show the dad in dead poet society You've seen him in a ton of stuff he's great you have ronnie cox who's also the villain in total recall playing dick jones who's the mm -hmm. senior uh president of ocp and then you have miguel farrier who's um bob morton uh and he is wonderful and their their interaction in the bathroom is is just I just it's so cringy, I guess, because <laughs> when you're in a bathroom, there's just such vulnerability. Yeah. And when Dick yeah. Jones comes out and like confronts him. Yeah. You know, there's another guy in standing in front of the urinal and just pisses himself and like gets yes. out of there. And it's just cringy in the best way possible. But it sets up. There's other forces at play, almost fighting over RoboCop. And Murphy isn't fully aware of it yet. Mm hmm. So we go from this moment and we go to the confrontation right into basically a, a moment where Murphy Robocop is asleep and he's sleeping or at rest. I don't know how to call it because he's not really fully out of it because he's a cyborg. But he goes into REM and he starts dreaming and he dreams of Murphy's death his family, 
And remember, right. earlier in the film, they're like, uh, you know, he won't remember anything. Well, he does in his dreams, and he remembers right, right. his partner, and he wakes up, and he kind of freaks out, and he realizes there's there's something more to my existence than I knew. The dream mm. triggers something, yeah. and he goes out to try to figure that out. As he's leaving, and his partner bumps into him, she recognizes him because she sees him spin his gun around like he did before, put it in right. its in its quote unquote holster. Right. She calls him Murphy. Murphy doesn't fully respond and he leaves. And as uh, when he's out, he basically uh goes to a gas station or sees uh Emil, one of the criminals, robbing a gas station. He goes right. there, Emil recognizes him because of something he says and he basically starts yelling, we killed you, to Murphy. Like, we killed right. you. Like, what's going on? And right. RoboCop captures him. He starts to put it all together. And I'd like to think of this whole sequence of the waking up, where Murphy, or RoboCop, wakes up as Murphy. Mm-hmm. Do you Did you buy it, though, Devin? Like, the whole sequence, did it make sense? Did you believe it? Well, I mean, I think it's necessary. And I'll just kind of, yeah. you know, expand on what I touched on earlier. And that is, we we want to identify with Murphy, right? Yeah, I, th- I yeah. think as as an audience, we want to have a reason to know what what's his motivation. And we, we saw what happens to him physically, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and we know kind of the, the dastardly deeds being done behind the curtains of the, the corporate CEOs and the military contractors and, and all this. And so I think this really helps to, once again, give Murphy a little bit more backstory, helps the audience to connect with him. So... I think the part I find least believable of the sequence is the, the fact that the criminal recognizes him um, so so immediate. Yeah, um, yeah. But, but that, if I can just kind of like overlook that, I think that this is actually a really important scene for the sake of humanizing Murphy for the audience. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it gets, it takes on more tragic tones because after he starts to, piece things together he goes and revisits his home Mm -hmm. that is up for sale and as he goes through the house he sees pictures of him and his family he starts reliving some of the things that he had in his dream and so the waking up continues a little more fully for for murphy while that's happening bob morton the guy that created robocop that's sort of at war with dick jones yeah. He's hanging out with prostitutes, having a good time, snorting cocaine, very 80s moment. And Boddicker, the criminal that shot up Murphy at the beginning, he breaks in, shoots Morton in both legs, puts on a video of Dick Jones, and then you find this huge connection between Dick Jones and uh, Boddicker, and you realize they're working together. There's more going on than we realize the criminal world is working with OCP, which is like, what? And, of course, they blow up Morton with a grenade, and then we're off. You know, we realize there's much more going on than we realize. And we get to sort of the the action starts to ramp up at this point because RoboCop is tracking down Boddicker. Mm-hmm. And he a- attacks Boddicker, and his, they were in the middle of this big drug deal, and we have this huge shootout in a cocaine factory, basically. And I don't know about you, but I found the action from this moment on, the fight at the drug lord's uh, factory, 
from that point to the end, I was fully engaged, and I, I found it to be some of the the most enjoyable, entertaining uh, action of this period of the 1980s. I, what did you What did you think? Well, I mean, I think first off, right when we re- when we realize that Murphy slash RoboCop has recorded this little conversation, I mean, yeah. it, isn't that a harbinger of where we're at exactly. now? Exactly. Um, my goodness. Um, so <laughs> looking past that and how much that freaks me out every time I open my mouth in front of a classroom full of high schoolers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people don't know this. They're probably listening to the show. Both Devin and I were educators, we're, we're yeah. teachers. And uh, and so we deal with uh, the wonderful youth of our, our world every day. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> um, so I will say I will say this, that I, I think that I agree with you wholly that like when we start to pick up the pace and just kind of this like final, like offing the bad guys um, act or part of the the film. Yeah. And for me, this is where it really becomes uh, the popcorn movie. This is where it becomes just wholly enjoyable. Nothing's more graphic than we've already seen it to this point in the movie. And then it just comes down to almost this, this stalker or slasher film where we just have this one entity ultimately working his way up to the final baddie of the film. And and I think that there are parts of it that like are completely unbelievable. I don't know. What were those things that they had? They were like, they kind of look like 50 caliber sniper rifles with some like graphics, uh, like a TV camera thing on top of it. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, shooting from the hip and just like every bolt explodes in this mess. So anyway, besides the laugh factor of that. Yeah. This, this is where, I, I really enjoy kind of the what I'll label is like the the most fun part of the ride for me personally. Yeah, and you really, I think you really hit the nail on the head. Just this kind of leveling up of the bad guys. He he's going up the stairs, right? It's a very mm-hmm. video game concept, right? Where I'm I've beat this bad guy. Now I'm graduated right. to, to fight the next boss. You know, right? And he does that. He. He takes out the guys at the the drug factory. He grabs Boddicker, starts throwing around. Boddicker reveals the name Dick Jones, who's the OCP guy. So what does RoboCop do? Murphy, RoboCop goes to OCP, has a confrontation with Jones, says, you know, you need to be arrested. Jones says, well, arrest me. Then we find out a big reveal that Murphy can't arrest him. There is programming in Murphy RoboCop where he cannot arrest someone that basically a senior official that works at OCP. And it's at that point where RoboCop sort of malfunctioning that Ed 209 comes in to kill RoboCop. Fight ensues. Murphy gets away. But, Devin, I don't know about you, but I found it pretty pretty emotional. I Probably the most emotional moment is you know, RoboCop Murphy, he gets out of the OCP building and who's there to meet him, his brothers and sisters on the police force. And what do they do? Most all, with some exceptions, they open fire on him. Mm. And, you know, RoboCop is just trying to survive. He's getting basically blown away. And Lewis finally saves him and they drive off. Was that, am I wrong for finding the dramatic tension in that moment? No, not at all. Uh, I, I would agree as far as the if if there were heartstrings that could be pulled in this movie, I think that that's probably the place that yeah. it gets done most. And I think that you know it brings up interesting questions just about what what, what why would they do that? Yeah. And you know what's interesting this this kind of gets into, and I only know this kind of third 
third person, right? Just as far as my my understandings of law enforcement and the people that I know that are in law enforcement, uh, but by no means do I have law enforcement um, experience myself. Sure. Well, it, on one end of the handcuffs I have, but anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> that's another story for our patrons. Um, but but I will say this um, that. I think one of the things that's interesting about this is law enforcement very much like military. And I'm assuming to, to some extent, even like firefighters, other first responders, but there is this, what's often referred to as like the blue wall yeah. and you're either for us or against us. And their perception here is that Murphy, that the Robocop is against them. And, and, and it's everything from, um, him replacing them as as um, part of a workforce to the other side of the spectrum where it's just we aren't in favor of this type of technology. And so and it also, of course, plays into kind of this mental gymnastics of how people can certainly fall prey to um, situations or circumstances when they only have like one side of the story, which is certainly the case with the most of the officers that are involved in the scene. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's interesting how the film starts to shift. It goes from this this pretty horrible betrayal where, you know, thankfully Murphy's partner rescues him. And we also get this reveal. It's more of a further context between Dick Jones and Boddicker of what's going on that, yes, they are building this new Detroit, but they're going to control. OCP is not only going to control the, the police force, they're going to control the crime. Right. And they've made a deal with Boddicker that he can control all the prostitution, the gambling, the drugs, everything, if he just plays ball. And so Jones says, hey, we still have this deal. Boddicker, here are these military-grade rifles that you were talking about earlier, Devin. Right, right. Get your team together, Boddicker, and go kill RoboCop. And then we have this big fight. <laughs> At the old abandoned steel mill, and this this yes. whole s- section of the film was filmed in Pittsburgh, where surprisingly the film, yes, it's set in Detroit, but they filmed most of it in Dallas, which is interesting. I think the modern skyline was, from what Verhoeven said, was more appealing to him than what Detroit was offering. So you have this this actual you know abandoned steel mill in Pittsburgh, and they they filmed this huge battle sequence, RoboCop kills Boddicker, his gang, some pretty gruesome kills happen in that. And you have a moment that we touched, we talked a little bit about the Messiah concept earlier, this mm-hmm. this rising from the dead. And if you pay attention, there is a, a fight between Boddicker, Robocop, and, and his partner, Anne, there on some water. And they filmed it in a way where it looked like Robocop was walking on water at the end. And so you get this kind of insight into what Verhoeven was trying to do there. And this idea of like, you know, Messiah, a savior. And so you have the, the fight, he kills the criminals and we basically run into this last 10 minute stretch of the ending of the movie where you have RoboCop confronting Dick Jones one last time. And basically what happens is remember there's this programming. You can't do something to, Dick Jones, because Dick Jones works for OCP, there is a figure who's never named. He's just called the old man. And the screenwriters base the old man on Ronald Reagan. Mm. Uh, The old man finally wisens up, fires Dick Jones. RoboCop kills Dick Jones. Dick Jones falls to his death. 
And the final moment of the film is the old man says, who are you? And RoboCop responds, Murphy, cut to credits, end of RoboCop. Yeah, did you find it satisfying just how it ended? It was pretty abrupt. Yeah, I I think so. You know, (laughs) it reminds me in, in some ways of the end of the film shooter with Mark Wahlberg. (laughs) <laughs> and the final scene there, yeah. right, where Ned Beatty just basically says, I'm a senator, you can't do this, or I'm a senator. And uh, his character, Mark's character, says exactly and shoots him. <laughs> um, yeah. And and so, like, for me, it did, it, it was almost kind of a, all right, pun intended, it was almost kind of a cop-out. Yeah, um, yeah. Ooh, when good it, job. Thanks. Um, <laughs> w- when it came to this, it just, maybe teenager Devin probably found a little bit more comedy with that but adult Devin midlife crisis Devin uh, just kind of feels like ah with so many other quality themes throughout it is it was just kind of a I don't know Jeremy's affair it's almost like this quasi like comedic moment in some ways it just didn't feel right it 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 was and here's there's we'll get into this a little bit more because there's more to that story I think you've picked up on something there was another scene filmed after this and uh we will get into that when we get to the segment of our show now we know and knowing's half the battle but let's take a break and when we come back we are going to do lock it in and rip the knob off where we pick what song best fits from 1987 best fits with this movie we'll be right back All right, Devin. So we'll get to that that little scene that was an additional scene in RoboCop, uh, and we'll debate if they should have left that in. But before we get to that, we need to figure out what music are we listening to. So here's mm. the game. Here's what we're doing. What song do you play on the car radio on the way from the movie? You've watched <sighs> it. You're leaving the theater. You're in the parking lot. You get in the car turn on the radio, put your cassette tape in that best sums up your feelings about it or best sums up the theme of the movie. There's some gems out there at this time in 1987. Again, the the film came out, I think the actual release date was the 17th, Friday the 17th of July, Mm. 1987. Heart was at the top of the charts with Alone. Uh, you have Shakedown from Beverly Hills Cop 2, uh, Bob Seger. You have Whitney Houston, I Want to Dance with Somebody. Uh, you have songs like I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For, U2, mm. Crowded Houses, Something So Strong, Whoa. George Michael's in the top yeah. 10, I Want Your Sex. I mean, they're, Gloria Estefan. I mean, you have even Kenny G is in the top mm. 20. So, Devin, my question to you is what song are you listening to as you drive out of that parking lot? I'll be honest with you, Jeremy. Um, you know, just to listen to you say that, I was kind of, I was fascinated by the thought, and I hadn't thought of this before. Uh, I'm fascinated by the thought of just putting like a a sizzle reel of all of the death scenes in RoboCop to a <laughs> Kenny G soundtrack. I, I, think, I think I might have some extra time over break to actually work on that. So That, um, that could go right. viral. Yeah, I could, in all the wrong ways. Um, <laughs> so I kind of look at this, the two different approaches to this, Jeremy. Um, I, I first, I think, Jeremy, I think, I think that, that 
I think the character um, of, of um, Murphy's partner, Ann Lewis, I think she had a little something for, for Murphy. Um, <laughs> and so my first pick is from Officer Ann Lewis to Murphy slash RoboCop. I'm going to have to go with George Michaels, I Want Your Sex. <laughs> I'm not even sure how that works, but apparently, um, you know, anything can happen in this movie. Anything can happen in this day, Devin. So. Indeed. <laughs> wow. Um, and then, but but here's my actual pick, and I honestly yeah. there were a couple here that I could. Oh, they're so good. But I'm gonna I'm gonna step out of my comfort zone a little bit, and I'm gonna oh. go from the perspective of RoboCop, and I'm gonna go with LL Cool J. I'm bad. Oh, I love it, man. Yeah. You can't go wrong with LL. You and, can't. And, and, you can't. And you know what? I'm going to just up the ante. I'm going to oh. bring it. My pick Whoa. will blow people's hair back if they have any. And so <laughs> here it is. And and I, I didn't make this this pick lightly. I yeah. prayed over this. I, oh I fasted. Whoa. I, I really considered. I think this is the best option. So we have this dream sequence. It's very mm -hmm. important. It, it wakes up you know, Murphy, basically. Right, right, and yeah. and as I was scanning through all these classic songs from 1987, yeah. I found one that was number 24 at the charts. I read the lyrics. I revisited mm. the song on YouTube, watched oh. the music video, and I, I think this is it. I'm getting Whoa. into my car. I'm leaving okay. RoboCop. Yeah. Get in my car, put in my cassette tape, of which I did not own in 1987. I want to make that clear. <laughs> Never owned it. <laughs> and the song is Debbie Gibson's only in my dreams. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen to some of the lyrics. It's um, it's it's brilliant stuff. So you know, everyone will remember this. I I would hope. No, I can't remember when. No, only in my dreams. As real as it may seem, it was only in my dreams. I couldn't see how much I missed you. Now I do. Couldn't see oh. how much it meant. Now I see my world come tumbling down. <laughs> I, as I was reading the lyrics, I was just, Debbie Gibson was tapping wow. into the RoboCop zeitgeist, man. She she knew it. She wow. felt RoboCop and wrote this song. So I'm going with Debbie Gibson, Only in My Dreams. And there's actually, normally I give you a second choice. Yeah. I'm not, F that. I'm not giving this. This is it, man. Whoa. Only in My Dreams, Debbie Gibson. What do you think about wow. that, Devin? I, well, I'm, I'm, First, I applaud your your marriage of that <laughs> music in this movie. Um, I'm a little surprised though that I mean, yes, I, I wholly congratulate you for just throwing that out, dropping the mic, ending the pod on that note. I would also say that from from 1987, Jeremy, if you're gonna have Debbie Gibson, you you've got to have Tiffany, which I think we're alone now was also 1987 as well. It so, was lurking, yes, it man, was. <laughs> if we were making a mixtape. <laughs> <laughs> That's a one-two punch right there. <laughs> one-two punch. So aside from you know the music of the time, there are yeah. some really interesting things about Robocop that I wanna I wanna talk about. We we call this little teeny tiny segment now we know and knowing is half the battle. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. So uh, there's some really interesting things, Devin. And so we were talking as we were summarizing the movie and working our way through it. There are several deleted sequences or scenes from the movie. And one is actually a news broadcast after 
RoboCop says is asked, what is your name? He says, Murphy. Traditionally, that's where the film ends, right? Mm. But there was a sequence of the news broadcast. Then the news broadcast cuts to a hospital bed for a few words with Officer Ann Lewis alive and rapidly recuperating. Earlier in the film, in the battle against Boddicker and his men, she is what looks like mortally wounded, but she's not. And there was talk after RoboCop, before RoboCop 2, that Lewis was going to be rebuilt as a female cyborg because oh. this deleted scene wasn't in the movie. But all these test screenery screenings that were going on people really dug that moment Devin which is a surprise to me and you of him just saying Murphy and we go cut to credits and so they they cut those two scenes the new sequence wow. that had been a big part of the movie at that point and then Lewis alive and, and recuperating in bed I man I'm surprised by that move but they were really responding to what their test screenings were what data those test screenings were yeah. giving given yeah. them I don't know what do you think uh, well, I think had they gone that route, that certainly played into my hand of George Michael, <laughs> I want your sex. Um, yeah, you know, it, it's interesting because I don't know what all goes into making a final edit of a film, right? Yeah. Before you talked about just, it actually had an X rating at some point because it was so graphic. Yeah. And so I don't know to what extent that runtime may have played a part or, or whatever else, but I, I, I think... I think that that would have been interesting to see, although I don't know how I feel about that, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Because is, yeah. is that, are we just, now we're just harvesting near dead humans and turning them into <laughs> cyborg law enforcement? Like that, yeah. that's super spooky to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, uh, I, I think I'm glad that they cut it. At, at yeah. least that part. The, perhaps the news clip part may have kind of played into that a, a little bit better, but I don't know. What, what do you thought? Well, it was, I, I'm okay with how it ended. I, I'm not, yeah. I did find it like you a little like, not shocking, but whoa, okay, we're done. All right, let's, yeah. let's set out. Right. I, I remember <laughs> like my wife and our wedding night. <laughs> I remember thinking that in the theater when, when I was watching it with my dad, I was like, wow, it's, o it's over. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think today, if that happened, people would not leave their seats. They would wait for a, you know, a, a mid credits right. scene or an end credit right. scene. So I, I find that very interesting. The other thing I find so interesting, and if this deleted scene was included, talk about prophetic, especially as it relates to the Me Too movement. So during the movie, we see in different scenes characters watching a TV program with a popular television comic, Bixby Snyder, and who keeps saying in this obnoxious way, I'll buy that for a dollar. Right? Yeah. And the news footage says Bixby had been caught swapping sexual favors for his appearances on his television show, which was called It's Not My Problem. It's That's part of that opening wow. that or that media scene that would go yeah. right before Lewis in the hospital recuperating. And I, I think back and I'm like, if they put that in, talk about a prophetic film. Oh. Everything from the media to... Yeah corporations to really what we're seeing in our entertainment and beyond industries. I mean, we're seeing like the church Two movement, yeah. you know, all this, like just basically men in power abusing that power. Right. And so it's interesting just to see that that was a scene filmed and they, they cut it. So I, I just found that wow. incredibly interesting. Should they yeah, left that, that in? Oh, you know, what's interesting about that is, 
it would have hit so differently in 1987. Yeah, yeah, totally that, would have. Yeah, I, I don't even know if it would have been thought much about. <laughs> yeah. I really don't. Yeah. I, I'm just yeah. like, in, in all honesty, like, I'm, ah, I'm all right. Um, but yeah, certainly from like 2020 standards. Oh my gosh, yeah. I can't even. I can't imagine like a current film having something like that yeah. without <laughs> having be completely um, just torn apart on yes. on social media. Yes. Um, as far as it not being in the film, um, you know, that's that's all right. I, I just wish they would have had a, a less immediate way to to end the film overall. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I agree. I I think you know. They made oh good decisions. I, you know, who am I to say? I just find that those two scenes are really fascinating, and yeah. I wonder if somehow they could have been incorporated before, you know, the Mur- the moment where Murphy says his name is Murphy and right. that he's not Robocop. Right. And, right. and that's all. I, I just find that incredibly just interesting. Those things were filmed, and Verhoeven, the screenwriters, they were thinking in ways – that really we're we're seeing in our world today, and that's that's what makes RoboCop, I think, stick around a little bit. Mm. Uh, it gives it a little bit more power than some of the other films that came out, like in '87. So, what I want to do is I want to take a commercial break, and and when we come back, we need to make a decision. We need to pick our favorite scene, character, moment. This the best thing from Oof. RoboCop. Oof. This is an important decision, but we got we got to take a commercial break first just to collect ourselves. So we'll be right back after this. Hey guys, just want to take a second and tell you a little bit about Patreon and just the opportunities that we want to offer you to help support the show and help get us off the ground. We're in this infant stage of the show. We're just a month old, really, uh, at the time of this recording. And we are really hoping that some people could come along beside us and help make this show something special as we look back and revisit the pop culture of our younger years or of the 70s and 80s and maybe 90s too. Uh, We have two tiers. There's a $5 tier. There is a $10 tier. Basically what you get is just extra shows every month, but also you get a say in what we're doing and what we're producing. You can go to patreon.com forward slash living in the past. So it's L-I-V-I-N the past. Uh, So I wanted to share a little bit about one of the uh, the shows we produce for our pa- patrons, and that is essentially a discussion pod. It's a terrible name. We don't have a name for it yet. And in fact, our patrons are naming the show for us as, as we speak. In fact, here is a part of the show where Devin and I plead for help on how to rename the show. So here's a little bit from our Patreon-exclusive podcast. Maybe we should actually let our patrons kind of weigh in on this, yes, Jeremy. I mean, I that might be should. an idea since ultimately the product is for them and them alone. I think that they should have a, a little bit of say in this. So, dear listeners, please, for for the for the sake of all of us, come up with some good ideas that aren't discussion pod. <laughs> yes. I mean, my creative energies can only go so far. <laughs> it ended at discussion pod yes. number one. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking like, oh, what do we call it? Is there some sort of tagline? So I went through like mm. 80s movies taglines. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's some good ones, but they're, they, they're too, the good ones are really obscure. And I think, I don't know, at some point we might even need to do an episode, whether it's the discussion pod or or like the main show where we talk, what's the best 80s movie tagline? Because Ooh. I was looking through them and there's some like, there's some 
there's some gems out there and but I couldn't figure out one that was like well known enough mm. you know to where yeah. it would like make sense for the pod yeah. like like the shining was let me think if I could let's see if I can remember um yeah, yeah like on the shining poster was like the tide of terror that swept America is here mm. whoa um uh, Ferris Bueller's. Oh, I found it. Here's my notes. Uh, Ferris Bueller's is one man struggle to take it easy. Wow. <laughs> the fog was bolt your doors. Um, <laughs> th- there's there's some like glorious ones. There's some glorious ones. Um, Ferris yep. Bueller. Like at, at one point, it, it, they just had leisure rules at, at the top of Ferris nice. Bueller's. Yeah, I thought nice. that was good. Um, maybe we could take a page out of The Shining's playbook and um, maybe just instead of. Um, red rum backwards. We just do discussion backwards. I don't even know what that word would be. <laughs> Let's but... look it up. <laughs> <laughs> our, our public educations can only take us so far, Devin. It's <laughs> true. This is so true. <laughs> oh man! So our patrons help us, like help us figure out what to call it. Um, I'll even put up something on our, our patron site, just like a, a, a poll or a place where you can message in or something like that. And, and we need to figure that out. But but on to what's important. All right, Devin, it's it's time, man. We gotta we gotta mm. pick it. We got there can be only one. What oh. is the single best thing? It could be character, moment, scene, line. It could be a theme. It could be a song. Oh man, you can't pick Debbie Gibson or oh. you know she's all yours. Any, <laughs> thanks or anything else. So, Devin, for you, what is the single best thing in RoboCop? Okay, I'm going to give you single best thing Teenage Devin and single best thing Modern Day Devin. And if you don't like that, <laughs> too damn bad. Okay. Um, all right, so so Teenage Devin, um, I, listen, I, I think that this film did something, uh, in addition to everything else that we've talked about, this it, it kind of had its little riffing on other pop culture. And of course, yes. like Clint Eastwood movies and Clint Eastwood in that time, of course, Dirty Harry, go ahead make my day. And, and he has like, when he says, Murphy says, your move creep. Um, that, that's the proverbial um, yes. Dirty Harry tip of the cap, right? Yes, so I, yes. I think teenage Devin would, would appreciate that. Um, real time Devin, 2020 Devin um, would undoubtedly say just to kind of reiterate what I've already shared on this episode. And that is, I just love the themes from a movie from over 30 years ago. How was that 30 plus years ago, Jeremy, over 30 years ago, um, have so many thematic elements that are so tied to what we see in the real world in the here and now. And so honestly, because of that, it's actually leveled up my appreciation for this film. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to say, here's what I liked as teenage Jeremy. And then here's what I like as modern day Jeremy. And um, they're, they're the same thing, Devin. Oh, so um, there's a character named Emil. <laughs> I yes. haven't evolved. That's what I'm trying to say. There's been no evolution to me. I'm 46. Yes. It's all the same. And this character named Emil, uh, who's one of the criminals in RoboCop, tries to run over RoboCop at the steel plant at the end. And those of Mm. you that are familiar with the movie, you know where I'm going. He runs into a toxic waste. Like, Mm. basically, it's like a, I don't know what you would call it. It's a tank. And toxic waste pours all over Emil. Emil starts to turn to goo. And then Boddicker... Hits him with a car, and the body just explodes. And I remember yes. seeing it in the theater 
shouting in horror at it in the theater just going ah you know and (laughs) i just smiled when i was a seventh eighth grader and saw it and when we were doing the rewatch uh i was smiling again devin so (laughs) it's my it's so shocking and it's so like you don't think they can top the violence yes and they just topped the violence they just go for it so so uh that's my favorite thing let's take a quick break we'll close out the show right after this all right, Devin. So let we need. I guess we need to let everyone know what is coming up next. And okay. I, I'm pretty excited about this. Oh, I, I'm wondering if you will be though. So, so everyone listening, we really on pa- Patreon we have a special. We call it the discussion pod, and our patrons are helping us rename it because my God, we've run out of creativity. <laughs> but we're we we one of the things we do is we say here are two movies. Which one do we go with? Mm-hmm. Last uh, last Patreon podcast, the discussion pod, we debated The Breakfast Club and Rambo First Blood. Yes. And we There's ended up... One right in. There's only one right answer on this. It, it's, it's Breakfast Club, Devin. No, that is not the answer. Yes, what are you talking about? Breakfast Club. That's what chose? That's, that's what we're doing, man. That's what we're doing. Oh, man. All right. Well, why? they pay the bills. So, why, why, right. are, why are you so against this? Breakfast Club is the most overrated film in the history of cinema. I cannot wait to do this podcast with you. It's going to be so much fun. Oh, my goodness. Well, everyone, thank you for listening. Uh, If you want to find us on social media, hey, it's a dangerous world out there. It's a dumpster fire. But if you want to venture into the dumpster fire, you can find us on Twitter at living in the past. It's L I V I N the past. You can also find us on Facebook. It's Facebook forward slash living the past. You can find us there. I'm on Instagram, but I'll be honest, I'm not making that public. It's my private little thing. I post things about living in the past, but you have to be my friend to even see it. I'm too scared. I'm too scared, Devin, to be out there in more than two places. It sounds like it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess that's it. (laughs) Thanks for listening. We'll see you for the Breakfast Club in a few weeks. Uh, (laughs) Come on, people. (laughs) Have a good one.